This is Rainbow Six Radio, bringing you the Next Generation Podcast for talk, news, and information for all things Rainbow Six. Hey, welcome to another weekly episode of Rainbow Six Radio. This is episode 13, and we're coming at you again with a lot of stuff to discuss with Captain and Icy Cat here. So uh, we are going to be going over a few things. We're going to be talking about the state of Siege as it exists right now, what we think about kind of where the game is at. We're going to be talking about uh, the new patch that just went live and uh, sort of the community impression on that and what uh, just sort of the response is. We'll also be talking about further leaked content regarding the house rework map, and we'll be going over the new Zofia Elite coming soon and further elites. Uh, and then we also have our regular pro tip and Q and A's. So we have a lot to a lot just a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Definitely, for sure. What I want to do is start off first with going over the state of siege. This is something I originally saw posted by another content creator by the name of Get Flanked, and uh, he's somebody that I I really respect a lot. He's probably a little bit more tuned into the pro league scene than we are, uh, but he's definitely. Uh, somebody that puts out a lot of, I don't know, I want to call it like thoughtful content. Like he doesn't just like put out like, you know, oh, look at my amazing skill videos. He really like tries to dissect things in the game and figure things out and really just come at it from, uh, I guess, more of a cerebral point of view. Yeah, for sure. And I respect that a lot. And in his video, he talked a lot about things that I feel are good discussion points to have. And I kind of wanted to expand on that and kind of Okay, because here's the thing. I think when it comes to content creators in the community, it's good to build off of each other and lift each other up, support each other, rather than try to work against each other. And so I think that what he did by kind of discussing this is not that, like, I want to steal what he did, but right. more but more so that I was like, that was something really interesting to to talk about. Let's come at it from our perspective and he had a lot of concerns about it from the pc side of things and from the pro league side of things and i think that when we talk about it those aren't our realms i guess right right so we can talk about it from some slightly different angles uh so with that i guess i kind of wanted to throw out there what are some things that you think about the state of siege right now as it exists in the game uh as far as you know like your experience as a player, our experience as a community, kind of, you know, the, the state of the game as it is right now. What do you think? I, I, it's such, it's like such a seesaw type of thing. Like there are certain days that it's amazing to play. Um, all of the matches are really close. Um, you know, you're playing with people that aren't, you know, super toxic and it's a really fun time um other times you're playing against just a bunch of you know toxic smurfs um people that like hack into the system start ddosing and like other sorts of things um that make it really frustrating and as of late it seems like it's either all or nothing so certain days it's amazing and then other days like every single match is just annoying and stressful right so i guess first of all let me start with one of the things that get flank talked about in his version of the state of siege uh is he talks a lot about cheating being rampant in the game and cheating on pc where he plays versus console where we play are 
I would night and day differences. They're very yes, they're yeah. completely different because on PC, cheating is so accessible. It is so easy to do, and they have the Battle Eye anti cheat system, which is supposed to deal with that. But you know, it's kind of like I don't know two kids duking it out, right? Like for every time that Battle Eye gets gets the leg up on the cheating, then you know, time goes by, then the cheaters get the leg up on Battle Eye and beat it back down again. And there's this constant right. power struggle over on PC. And, you know, as the um anti cheat begins to get dated, it gets less effective and then it's just no longer effective really for the most part anymore after a certain point. And there keeps being that cyclical uh, you know, just uh, experience when you're playing yeah. on PC. And that's something we don't have to deal with on console. Yeah, not as much for sure. Um, question, do you think that the the cheaters and hackers have become more prevalent as of late because of everyone, you know, kind of being in their own quarantines? Or do you think it's just in addition to already being a super toxic pain in the ass situation. Well, with more people on and more people playing, that's going to bring out more people that want to troll or dominate or whatever through the use of these kinds of cheats and hacks. And it does create more of a market for the people that create and sell the hacks yep. uh, to be able to do them. I don't know if all hacks are sold or not. I, I'm not a PC hacker, <laughs> so I don't really... Uh, That's no. good to know. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, but it definitely creates an environment where if more people are playing, there's more of a market for that kind of traffic. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but over on console, you don't really see a whole lot of cheating. And I do have a signed NDA with my time working with the dev team, but I can tell you in working with the dev team uh, that the the online devs have you know shared with me that uh, – one thing that they run up against is a lot of people assume that there's hacking on console uh, probably about nine times out of 10 or, or more uh, maybe 99 out of a hundred times, whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. When somebody assumes that there's hacking happening to them on console, it's totally not the case. Um, yeah. And on PC, there's a lot more legitimacy to that claim, but on console there just isn't because you actually have to have a, you have to have a hacked, um, hard drive mod installed like you have there has to be hardware involved in the process oh you know it's like jailbreaking okay. an a, a iphone or something like that you have to like you know like do stuff to it um, right but I, it's even more than that because you have to like install something on the internal console hard drive and that's something that the vast majority of people would have no understanding of how to do it um yeah and they said that it's not that it can't be done it, it can be done, but it is so far outside of the ability of the average console player to be able to do that, that like, again, 99 out of 100 people saying that guy's cheating is just, no, they got a lucky wall bang or there, it was a good call out on a drone or, or you know, again, probably just luck or something stupid. Um, for sure. But yeah, the ability for most people to get into their own console's hard drive and install modified, you know, hard drive or whatever, uh, or even to hack the hard drive that exists there and install something into it is just beyond the realm of most people. Whereas on PC, it's so much easier right. to get those hacks in there. So on console, we don't see that as prevalent as far as the state of siege is concerned. Um, I would argue that it's 
even a benefit of being a console player versus a PC player? Because there's the whole PC master race thing, right? You know, the experience yeah. is better on PC. That's how it's meant to be played. Uh, and I don't disagree with the fact that the game runs better on a PC. You know, you just have the ability to make sure that everything's optimized and faster frame rates and all of that stuff. I, I don't disagree with that, but we don't have to have the headache of the actual hardcore cheating with like the see-through right. walls stuff turned on and the radar turned on and the snap to headshots turned on and like all those cheats that are out there. Yeah. So that that's one thing that might be a little nicer about not being in, in the PC master race side of, of the coin, but absolutely. I agree with that for sure. Now the downside that PC has less of than console is Smurfs. And in the state of siege, that's where things really become problematic and you do have Smurfs on all platforms. There are Smurfs on PC. I'm not saying that there isn't. But, like, on Xbox, you can create 20 new free accounts. You don't have to buy a new copy of the game. You don't need to pay for a whole separate version of the online subscription service. You right. just sign into one of the sub-accounts you created for free. You can do it whenever you want, as much as you want, all day long. Yep. It's not quite that easy to do on PC. And, again, there are Smurfs on PC, um, but on console, it's like you can just do that all day. I, I think the PlayStation experience is maybe somewhere in between. I, I, I play on Xbox, so I don't know. But, uh, man, I mean, what would you say as far as, like, our experience running into Smurfs? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like as of late, you know, just playing against Smurfs lately is always frustrating. Um, and... You know, it's it's in the in the beginning of the match, you can kind of see who you're playing against. Um, you know, you can see what games they play. You know, check people's gamer scores and stuff. And I now that's a console you know, thing. Like I, I don't yes, think you have is, that ability on PC. Correct, correct. Yeah, I think this is just a console thing. And actually, I don't even know if it's a PlayStation thing. It might just be an Xbox thing, because I don't know if you get like achievements and other sorts. Well, they have of things. like trophies on PlayStation. Okay. Okay. Um, but regardless, you know, you, you can see someone's gamer score and, you know, oh, I'm playing against this person who has like 500 gamer score. And it's like, OK, well, clearly this person only plays this game and is, you know, trying to downplay what their actual level is. Uh, nine times out of ten, their other accounts probably, you know, relatively high because, you know, it's. It's just something people like to give themselves the upper hand. And now I know there's, you know, other reasons why you can have a Smurf account. Um, I have one that I don't use anymore, but like, you know, it, it, it wasn't to change our play style. You know, it's more like if too many people kind of get used to you doing one, you go to another one. Or, you know, when you're making videos and stuff, it's nice to have different... Right names instead of just the same one and again that's where you'll see a difference between pc and console is that um on pc you have the ability if you want to change your um your id tag you can do that at any time you uh, i don't know if it's at any time or if a certain amount of time has to go by bef in between doing it but on pc you can change your your username uh for what right. everybody sees your gamer tag as in the game right so every so often you can change that uh on console or at least on xbox you cannot your account name is your gamer tag name and that's just what it is so uh i again i do have some smurf accounts myself but as you were saying i don't have them so that i can go stomping noobs 
Right. Uh, I have them because when I make videos and people kind of get too familiar with whatever my current username is, I may experience um, people recognizing that and then weird things happen. <laughs> uh, when they, when, I have no idea what you're talking about. When, you, when YouTubers begin to realize, or Twitch streamers, you know, that uh, when people are playing against them, they realize, oh, that's like a quote unquote famous person. They'll start like changing their gameplay and doing weird things. And that's an experience you kind of want to avoid. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, I do remember a map uh, or a match on Favela where as we were setting up, somebody realized who I was because of my uh, gamer tag and they began forming a Tachanka summoning circle around me uh, where they just were like doing the teabag motion and walking around in a circle around me. And wherever I went, they, I just had like like little chicks following me. These people just like doing the, the teabag thing and they were messaging me and saying like, <laughs> Are, are you Icy Cat? Are you the YouTuber? Are you the YouTuber? And no matter where I went, they were just like doing this thing behind me. I was just like, stop. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. There are legitimate <laughs> reasons for uh, content creators to have Smurf accounts that have right. nothing to do with wanting to uh, just wreck new players through anonymity. Yeah. Um, but I would say that that is not the vast majority of Smurfs out there. Oh, for sure. They're doing it because they want to have easier matches. They don't want to play against the sweaty brackets that they find themselves in. And so all of a sudden you have this guy in ranked that's supposedly silver level 31 with a 200 Xbox gamer score, which means he has not played any other game. And he's busting out pro league strats, aggro rushes, you know, like platinum behavior. And he's like supposedly a silver three or something. Yeah. So, um, Smurfs are a problem in the game for sure. Um, Definitely. What do you think they could do about it? Honestly, I think it. Th there isn't anything, in my opinion, that the Rainbow Six like devs can do, because it's an Xbox thing, not necessarily the game. So I don't. I don't necessarily think that there's anything that could be done on that level, unless for some reason they find a way to like limit. Um, well, and then you can't even do that. Cause like what, what happens when you have a bunch of roommates that play the same game on different accounts? Yeah. I don't, I don't really see there's any way that to me, at least that makes sense to stop that from happening. It's a hard problem to deal with. I do like the way the PC can uh, allow you to change the displayed gamer tag, even though it's still the same account. Yeah. Um, and I wish there was an option like that on console. Although I'm pretty sure Xbox has one. You just have to pay like 10 bucks to like change your but name. You have to pay. Yeah. And I think uh, even though you pay, you can only do it so many times. Right. And, uh, like a certain amount of time has to pass in between doing it. And again, you have to pay 10 bucks. Uh, right. I think the you can do it once for free, I think. But then after that, it's like, yeah. I would like to see something like that, but I think that that's something that's outside of Ubisoft's hands. Yeah. Um, I think like, I know on the account side for the console, it is, but I don't know if like the ID displayed inside of their game is, is something that they can do an alteration to, or, or if per Microsoft and Xbox, it must, or Microsoft and Sony, it must be the same. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wish there were some options that way, but Oh, for sure. One thing they do on the PC side is that they um, have um, two-step verification. 
uh, as an authentication process to help cut down on that. It doesn't eliminate it, but it helps cut down on it. And again, we're getting into like account things that I think Microsoft and Sony would probably have to jump on board with in order to support. So that's a tough one. Yeah. I think um, one thing they could do, though, and we discussed this in another episode way back, but would be to track aggression factors. Yeah. Mm. Um, And so, like, you know that they can already track everything in the game as far as, like, the amount of, you know, win-loss and KD and the amount of headshots. Um, I remember having a conversation with a dev one time, and I know how ridiculous this gets as far as what they track. I remember having a conversation with a dev one time, um, and he's like, do you want me to tell you how many times you've shot a shield and hit the shield, but not the guy behind the shield? I can look up those stats for you. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so, like, what they can track is absolutely ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, so considering they have the ability to follow, like, just all kinds of data points, tracking aggression factors might be a way to help deal with that. And I'm not saying, like, these people should be punished by tracking aggression, but they would just, right. like, if you are a consistently aggressive player, and I'm talking about consistency, right? Like, some people will just be like, oh, my God, I had an amazing game, and it was, like, Amazing. Now, I'm not saying you should be thrown in with Platinums because you had an amazing game. What I'm talking about is tracking patterns over time. So if, like, a player consistently gets headshots, like, in very high ranges, you know, if you're hitting 50, 60, 70% headshots, you know, that's maybe a marker for an aggression factor. The average player probably hits somewhere between 20 and 30% headshots or or less. Um, So, you know, if you're up around, like, 60 and 70% headshots, that may be an aggression factor. Other things would be uh, time to kill. Like if you're consistently spawn peeking and spawn rushing, you're probably landing those kills very, very early in the round. That's a trackable aggression factor. You know, not saying that if you spawn peek, you're going to get punished, but if you spawn peek consistently, if there's a pattern, it's showing aggression. And then if it's showing that you're a bronze, it's like, their system, you know, would then be able to match some of these patterns up and go, okay, we've got, you know, high headshots, early round kills, um, you know, maybe maybe other things can track too. I don't know what they might be. Um, rate of multi-kills, consecutive multi-kills. Right. Like, oh, this person consistently gets two or three kills in the span of very short amount of time showing that high aggression. Um, you know, and again, it's not that these players should be banned or suspended, or I'm not saying any kind of punishments, but I'm saying that even if that player shows that they're a bronze and they're level 30, <laughs> if they're playing with those kinds of aggression skill factors, then they should maybe be match made with people that kind of can can kind of play in that same realm that they do. Because clearly uh-huh. they're not a true bronze or a true silver. They're, they're Clearly they're trying to manipulate matchmaking. And I'm right. saying ban them, but just put them up against the people that they should be playing against because that's clearly where they belong. <laughs> right. Well, and that, I mean, that just brings up another point that we have also like beaten into the ground about how if they were able to track certain things like that, then they could just fix matchmaking altogether. Yeah, um, the only caveat with that is that uh, you don't want the system to be taking because you remember how it used to be before one step matchmaking where like in between matches, you'd sit there for like 10 minutes waiting for the next round. That's true for the next match to queue up. So you don't want to have like these insanely long queue times while it's trying to find the perfect match. Um, You know, yeah, it it could help influence it. But what you what you kind of want to see, and this is sort of what they do already, is like a falling away of ideals. Like they mm-hmm. try to match 
as specifically as possible. And then if they don't find something relatively quickly, then a couple of those parameters fall off. And then they try to match as ideally as possible in that. And then if it doesn't match, a couple of parameters fall off, you know, until you get your match. Because you don't want to have people waiting 10, 15 minutes for a match. I will say there's one gratifying thing when you do go against a bunch of Smurfs and you mop the floor with them. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it is sweet, sweet victory. It is. You're right. It doesn't happen often. Usually, predictably, they'll they'll stomp the people that came to stomp because that's the whole yeah. point. But it is nice to kind of throw it back at them and be like, ha, nice try, scumbag, you know? Yep. I mean, I, I even remember on, I think it was on Saturday, we were playing against a bunch of Smurfs, and I don't think we actually won this game, but I just remember one time downing their top Smurf and being able to just, like, dome them in the head at the very end, and I'm pretty sure I did a series of, um, you know, explicitives and stuff, but, you know, <laughs> it was uh, it, it was the very, very good feeling. <laughs> Definitely. Um, outside of cheating and Smurfs, and again, on console, we don't experience one so much as the other, whereas if you're on PC, maybe you experience more of the cheating than the Smurfing. But outside of those, how do you feel the state of Siege is beyond that? There are things that are going on that I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, no new maps, um, stuff like that. Some of these reworks I'm not super fond of, um, but I don't hate them. I do enjoy, I do like that now they're trying to take more time to better balance these new operators that they're coming out with. So instead of doing, you know, two, uh, two a season, doing, doing one to kind of give more time for that. And I have to really, I have to see how this year goes to really be on board with anything just because the you know actions always speak louder than words you know they're saying they're trying to fix the game they did that with operation health they only fix certain things you know so so in in a way i really like what they're saying that they want to spend more time trying to fix certain things but i need to see that first to be like yeah you're doing you're doing a good job well and there's other things too that historically they've said that they're fixing and then continue to be persistent problems how yep. many seasons have we seen patch notes for the season that say like client side debris fixed no, it was like took four attempts before they finally went to something else or like mm -hmm. rubber banding fixed. Uh, no, still see that one, you know, and it's like so many of these different things where you see them come up and it's like they say that they're fixed and it's like they're not really fixed. Yep. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll see. But you do bring up a good point. It is interesting that now uh, the this next season. Uh, we believe it's going to be called Operation Hidden Eyes with the house rework and yep. uh, Odin and, and um, Phyllis Way, although I'm told that that's not how to say it, but I, I've also had about 15 people tell me 15 different ways to pronounce it, yep. so I'm not trusting it's any of like it. kind of like Montaigne all over again. Right, right, right. Um, Montagna. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when that season drops, that will be the last time that we have two operators for a new season for the next six seasons after that. Yeah. Uh, because season three and season four of this year will only have one operator, and then all of next year will only be one operator per season. And we know that they're not going to be doing any new maps. It's just going to be map reworks. 
So, uh, I mean, they could do a new map next year, I guess, but they did say that it's just going to be the one operator. And for now, anyway, they're focusing on just map reworks. Yeah. So, uh, and we know the whole point behind that is to go ahead and address the, they say, the core mechanics of, you know, the game. And that's where I think the year five roadmap shows a lot of positive things. Like you said. Promise, yeah. It's nice to see them slowing down, taking a step back, trying to address some of these fundamentals. Um, and, and like you, I'm cautiously optimistic also because there are these things like, oh, yeah, you said you fixed debris stuck in barricades or rubber banding before and they still happen. You know, I'm really looking forward to the things that they've announced just for this year as far as yep. ping 2.0, the replay system, the reputation system, uh, map bans. Am I leaving anything out? I don't know. Um, but I don't think so. That's just within this year. And then next yep. year is a whole year of, of pure focus on that New kind stuff. of thing. Yeah. So I'm. You know, like there's a lot of negatives, right? There's like, oh, cheating is a problem. Oh, Smurfs are a problem. Uh, but, you know, I think that there's also positivity on the horizon as well. And it, it's always nice because there definitely have been other seasons that they have, you know, came out with, you know, campaign promises or something. And, you know, it, it all sounds really good, but then it's just like, okay, this game is nah, whatever just keep playing because it's fun. Um, but I feel like, I mean, minus certain things, um, the way they're balancing certain operators, this is kind of one of the first times that like, I don't, I don't want to say that uh, I've been given hope, but like, this is the first time that I'm like sort of excited to see what's about to happen as opposed to just, like, going with the flow. Right. Well, so the State of Siege right now seems like, in general, to sum it up, there's definitely some broken pieces <laughs> yep. between cheating and smurfs and things like that. But there's also some good things maybe coming down the road. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I'm, like you, cautiously optimistic. There are some things that I would definitely like to see as well um, that, for me, would make a, a State of Siege really shine. And that would be, uh, you know, again, maybe having a pro ranked for the yeah. pro players, because what it's what it's doing is saying this is how to competitively play our competitive game and everybody should fit into this this mold. You know, we're we're balancing everything for the pro players, all for the comp competitive players. We are declaring this is a competitive game. And by the way, you 99 percent of all you other people fit into this or or go someplace else, <laughs> you know? And it, I mean, it's like, they're not saying that, but their actions do. Right. Um, and so I think that this game needs to be more competitive for the competitive players and the game needs to be more casual for the casual people. And then there does need to be a middle ground for the people that don't need to be like Uber pro league or casual screw around mode. Like there, there yep. does need to be an in-between. Yeah, I hear that for sure. I feel for me that would really enhance the state of Siege because uh, I think the game actually needs to be more competitive than it is for those players. And then it needs to stop forcing everybody else to be in that more competitive stage, whether they want to be or not. Right. So and by that, I'm referencing things like, you know, taking away two thirds of the game modes and ranked, taking away 40 percent of the map access um, you know, to, all to kind of satiate that competitive appetite of what's most balanced and what's better by removing content for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and again, at those ultra competitive levels, absolutely. 
absolutely do that stuff. Put in a ranked pro, you know, where they have those or um, whatever. But um, for everybody else, you know. Yeah, it definitely, I, I agree with that. I think having like a, a pro ranked sort of thing would definitely help out, you know, the balance of the game a little bit. And that way people could stay in where they want. But also, you know, it leads to other issues of, you know, the people that play only pro-ranked and stuff will go back down to casual and wreak havoc. But, I mean, whatever. But speaking of balancing, um, you know, the new patch went live uh, yesterday for PC. Uh, Today is Wednesday, for the record. Uh, So Tuesday, it went live on PC. And this morning, it went live on consoles. Um, And we kind of, you know, we kind of talked about that last episode right or was it the episode before yeah we talked about what went into it um i Mm -hmm. suppose it would probably not i can i mean i can quit go over everything yeah just hit the highlights if you would yep yeah, so um, so they decided to balance a couple of operators. Um, so Buck, uh, his frag grenades are replaced with claymores. Um, they increased the skeleton the skeleton key magazine capacity by one. Um, so it went from five to now six, um, and the max ammo went up from twenty five to twenty six. Um, Goyo, they reduced the number of Vulcan shields, um, two down from three. Uh, Jaeger is now um, the two-speed, two-armor operator that everyone is fearful of. Uh, Mozzie, they removed the super shorty. Um, Ying, they turned Ying into God, and they increased the number of Candelas uh, to four from three. Um, they replaced Claymores with smoke grenades, and they increased the T95 uh, LSW from 46 up from 43. Um, Caveira's M12 now has the Razer holographic sight. And then Cade and Goyo's uh, TCSG12, they have added an additional magazine to the TCSG12. Um, and in doing so, they've also reduced the damage from 57 down from 84. So to me, this sort of encapsulates that cautious optimism yep. because I hear a lot of the devs wanting to make the game better and having this great vision for some of the uh, new things that they're doing. But while they look at these new interesting things like the map bands and the reputations and the replays and the ping 2.0s, I look at this and I go, but is this the same dev team that's going to give me all of that great stuff that they're promising to change the fundamentals? Because a lot of this is either changes nobody asked for or in the case of Goyo, a change, and they they said, they acknowledged, we are aware that this is a pro league level change because in ranked, he's actually underpicked, and we're making this change for the pro league level. Um, you know, and these other things like making Jaeger a two-speed. I mean, so, like, this to me speaks a little bit of why I'm cautiously optimistic, because there's some tone deafness here. So you're making Jaeger a two-speed, and they said at the time it was because he has like a 90% pick rate. Uh, and they want to reduce his appeal so that other operators also have a chance to shine. So you're bringing him down to a two-speed, two-armor, but you're increasing why you should take him by giving Ying another Candela plus two smoke grenades instead of Claymores. She's going to be able to toss out six things. So right there, you've taken an operator that has a lot of throwables, a lot of projectiles, and, yep. and really buffed those projectiles that this operator can throw out. Uh, she used to only be able to throw out three things. Now she can throw out six things. And uh, these are things that are used on objective. 
Right. So you're going for the plants, you're trying to blind the anchors or whatever it might be. So now you've actually like made Jaeger like, okay, now we're going to give you a reason to not pick Jaeger as much. Oh, but we're going to indirectly give you a reason to pick Jaeger more. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, again, taking a look at Buck is another sort of tone deaf change to me. They're like, well, we wanted to draw a little bit more of a distinction between him and Sledge. Um, I get that, but Buck is the vertical Sledge. Yep. Sledge can't hit the ceilings. Buck can. And that's where you want to be able to use a frag grenade. Yep. You know, so I don't know. It just... I didn't feel like there were a lot of people that were necessarily stuck on like, I don't know who to pick. Do I go with Buck or do I go with Sledge? It's like they have very clear roles. Do you want to attack the site from underneath with that verticality? Then you're taking Buck. Do you want to deal with um, popping castle barricades and more of the horizontal aspects? Then you're going with Sledge. Right. You know, it's like they kind of already sure there was overlap in that each of them could breach soft surfaces and had a frag grenade. Sure, there was overlap, but like. It's like a, a Phillips screwdriver versus a regular screwdriver. You know, yes, they both accomplish the same goal, but one's the correct tool for one type of situation. One's the correct tool for the other. I, right. I when I used one, I, I had a way of using them that was different than the other way of using them, even though there was overlap. I don't know. No, I agree. I, I think it's ridiculous. Um, and I, I saw a couple images um, circulating on uh, the Reddits this morning of um, Ying is already getting banned and uh, ranked. Oh, and why wouldn't she? They made her god tier. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, and the other thing that you have to remember, too, is not only did they increase her candelas to four from three, but in the previous update last season, they also increased the projectiles that they launched out. It was either from six to seven or from seven to eight. They added one more. Yeah. So, you know, now you've got another one of those and each one of them had already had their pellets increased by one in the previous update. So it's like, it's insanity at this point. Plus that LMG, I mean, what's the magazine I think is that like 80 rounds or 100 rounds or whatever it is I think it's 100 but now you know instead of doing 43 damage it went up to 46 is that is that huge at the end of the day I don't know I've had I've actually encountered situations with yings where like they just they just come around a corner pre-firing and then come into the room pre-firing and then sort of hose the common anchor spots pre-firing because like they don't have to worry about it they know that they can just spray it all out yeah (laughs) Yep. And so now to increase that damage, plus go from three projectiles to six, and then each of uh-huh. those four had the extra pellet at it's like what are they doing? Yep. What are they doing? Yeah. I'm I'm actually surprised more specifically with the claymores switching that with the smoke grenades to give that extra, you know, two projectiles. So yeah. that's I think, yeah, there's she's the perfect either... objective assaulter right now. Yep. Absolutely. Blind them, smoke, plant, bullet hose, done. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I'm, I'm, I am kind of curious to see how um, Kate and Goyo shotguns are now. Because um, I definitely, the last couple of weeks, I've been playing Goyo a lot. And I've been getting some decent kills. Um, and it definitely has been a lot of body shots. 
because uh, I'm just like there, the person's there, and I freak out and just blow them to you know sky heaven. But um, it'll be interesting to see like an almost thirty point reduction. What's going on with that? Well, so they had originally made it so his damage was fifty five, and then on the test yep. server they made it fifty seven, and I yep. I think uh, what that does is it still keeps the ability to either two shot or three shot a two armor. That okay. two point difference, uh, depending on where you hit them. So, like, there's a little bit of consideration for that. Okay. But we'll, we'll have to see. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm still kind of nervous about, you know, what that means for. Because when you, like, when you talk about Kaid, it's like, okay, well, his shotgun is, you know, whatever. But when you talk about Goyo, now he's also got the double nerf of having his shotgun reduced by almost 30 points, plus having a shield lost. Right. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, moving from that, the next thing we have to talk about is we've got some uh, it's not exactly a new video. It's been around for I don't know, a week, week and a half or something like that. But there is a leaked development video uh, for the house map. And the reason that this is interesting is because um, essentially you have a situation where we've got a look at what the map is like um, in its raw form while it's still being built. Um, and I don't know who it was that managed to get the capture of this, but you can see, and we'll put a link in the, uh, subreddit for this. So when you're listening to the show, if you go onto our subreddit where we post, uh, the current episode, it'll be a, a sub post within that, uh, a link for this video. Uh, but it plays really, really fast and, uh, it's, it's almost playing at like double speed or triple speed or something like that. You can see the first thing that happens is and we're just going to talk about this video again. You can look up this link for yourself and follow along or whatever, but, um, it starts out showing the side of the house, right? So we're standing on the street. This would be just above river spawn. Um, and, uh, it looks like the operator being used is Yana. We can see the cybernetic, uh, enhancements on her gloves there. So you can see that it's Yana. She's using the MK one. There's not a HUD on the screen, but this is a um, a developer um, build of the game. This isn't like a live build of the game. So things aren't necessarily textured properly and what have you. But we can see in the upper corner there that, uh, you know, they go into record the the control uh, interface there or the UI for the for the controller is on the screen for a second as whoever is doing this goes into record. And as we look at the side of the house here, um, some things that jump out at me is that there's like this parking sign and beyond the parking sign, you see all the expanded stuff that kind yep. of goes out to the side there. And it looks like, I don't know, I would say anywhere from 20 to 30% of the house is uh, new yeah. beyond that point. So uh, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of windows on the side there. But uh, the first thing I'm seeing is that in front of, as you would run up to where the garage doors would be, there's two gates there. Yep. And they're sort of like split. So like one gate is a little bit more open than the other. So you have to essentially go around the gate before you can even see the garage, um, which I think is a good thing because what that does is one thing you could do is when you started on the river spawn is uh, if you were on that lowest part of the pier there, you could actually throw up a rappel line and just have your head sticking up at street level. And then you'd have a straight line of sight to that garage door. So only your right. little head was poking out and you, the rest of you was safe and you'd have that, that control that whole angle. Uh, and this prevents that from happening anymore. 
So we're just going to step ahead here and go up to the front of the house a little bit more. And um, so we come around the gate here. And again, this video plays very fast. So if you're watching for this, this for yourself, unless you have the ability to use your video player frame by frame, uh, it's just going to go up by at insane speed. But um, as you come is that around, a second, is that a second garage door there to the left? I don't know what that is. It's there's something on the other side of the fence. We can't quite make out. Um, oh, let me see if I, I wonder that if that's up. the stairs. Yeah, I'm not that sure. Went into that side room. Yeah, but wait. as you come around, so we have a big garage door and now there is a just like a regular door entrance to the left of big garage door. Um, we see that there is still little garage. Um, whoops. I just clicked my video and got way off track here. There we go. We see there is still little garage and then above big garage where the double wide window is that has now been replaced by two single windows. Uh, additionally over little garage, you used to have that, um, balcony there with the railing and then set back from that was the office. Now there is uh, that office actually goes right up to the edge of the house. So there's not a balcony anymore and there's one window there. It's a single wide window. Uh, so you could do a hop out on that single wide window to drop down where little garage is. Um, okay. So then let's just go ahead and go into the side side entrance here. This is right to the left of the big garage door. So there's a, a single door with a small hallway and then there's another single door. And once you go through that, you're in garage now. So at the end of this, there's a wall with uh, some kind of a shelving unit on it. And everything in here is these like gray grids for a texture, uh, which shows that this was taken earlier in the development cycle for when the map was being made. Uh, so the, the artists haven't given all of the texture assets yet to the map developers. Um, so things are in an unfinished state, but this shelving unit at the end of this hallway basically closes it off. So you can't break open this door and have that commanding view straight back to laundry room. Like you used to be able to, this stops that. So then we step into main garage itself and I don't know, what, what do you think captain? It looks pretty similar, a little bigger, but pretty similar. Uh, the boat is gone. It looks right? a little bigger. Yeah, but it's relatively the same. Yeah, covered in cloth or something. There's a little bit more room to move around in, though, but the uh, like that camera that was in garage is still in the same place it was. No. Um, it looks like the breakable walls are still breakable. So there's this like sky blue texture on things, and it has like this explosion marker on it with the word breakable. Um, that's what's known as a, as a brush, uh, geometry brush. So that's a marker, a placeholder, letting the, um, you know, once the graphic uh, artists give the textures to the maps uh, people, they will place those on these and these are just the placeholders. But you can see where the breakable walls are with these placeholder geometry brushes. So we come around the front of the car and we see the kayak area and this is where things get interesting. We go over to little garage side. So that car that was parked there, it's now it's now a white van. It's parked sideways. How the hell did they do that? Like logistically, like <laughs> you pull into your garage and you wind up parked in that position. Yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, where the kayaks are, there's now an area behind kayaks. So the weight room wall and the back of little garage is essentially a little right. bit longer. And then you can get behind kayaks. There's 
two more kayaks on the other side. So there's four kayaks total. And it's just, I don't know, it's like a little area behind here that you can get behind, which allows you to then, if Little Garage is breached, you can defend Little Garage either from the, the more open central area in the middle, like you used to be able to do, or now there's this covered area behind kayaks that you could protect Little Garage from on uh, the other side. So that's sort of unique and interesting. Yeah, it gives a little extra way to defend. Um, and it looked like those walls were not um, able to be like reinforced. So those are, you know, hard walls. Right, right. Uh, in fact, it looks like all the walls are the same in here as far as what can be reinforced. Yeah. With the exception of there looks like to be one extra length on the weight room wall. Right. Um, and then, so this takes, for those of you that may or may not know, I did a, a house rework concept video last year. Um, and this takes a page kind of out of that in that there is a uh, door now. So, okay, you used to have the door in the back of garage that would lead into laundry room. That's gone. That now has like a, um, a toolbox and some cabinets that block up. And that's a that's a hard wall. Can't be reinforced. Can't be breached. Um, but then on the side where there used to be a solid wall, um, you can now go into a little side room. And then that connects into laundry room that way. So essentially, laundry room still connects to garage, but rather than coming straight through that door that you could see from um, big garage if you opened it, it's now a side entrance into garage rather than straight back. And like laundry room looks even bigger too. Laundry room looks a lot bigger, a lot more spacious. It also looks like the area underneath the stairs has been opened up a little bit, just a, a little bit more. A little bit more, yeah. A little bigger. Um, it looks like there's a hard cover point in the center of the room now. So where you used to have the uh, so laundry room where there's the hatch from kitchen, right? And you would have that long double length uh, shelving unit yep. that you could see through. It looks like the shelving unit now has a wall so that there's a shelving unit on one side and possibly another shelving unit on the other side. But you can't see through it anymore. And then just off of that, there's a... It hasn't been textured yet, so I don't know what it's going to be, but there's some kind of a hard surface there that uh, looks unbreakable. It's not furniture. It's actual hard uh, geometry that, that can't be altered. Right. Um, the washing machine and dryer are still about where they are. Yep. There's still that cover point. Um, I don't know. What do you call that? Like a little little half height thing. Mm -hmm. um, like a work table? Like a yeah, workshop but table or something? So when you come into the door off of the bottom of stairs that would come into laundry room. Uh, when you come in through that doorway, there would have been one of those like little half height countertops there. That's mm -hmm. still there, but it looks like the room goes back a little deeper than it used to because yeah. when you came in through that door, it's like you came in through the door and the laundry room was to your left and there was just wall to your right. Like you never had to worry about wall to your right. And I brought this up in my video too. I put a room back there uh, in my example, but in their case, they just deepened the room. Right. But my argument for that when I made my video for the house rework was that when you can't, you always knew you had command of the room when you came in, you came in, you swept left. You never had to worry about right. Well, now when you come in through that door, you do have to worry about left and right. So yep. You don't have that instant command of the room. 
let's see what else do we have hash still looks like it drops down about where it always did into laundry room then we go into weight room um it looks like the double wide door has now been broken down possibly to a single wide door yeah it's a little hard to tell with the way they show it we'll have to see what that winds up looking like in the final render uh but then we step into weight room so Living room hatch has been moved from where it was by pool table. It used to drop into, I don't know, I'd say more or less like the middle of the room. Yep. Yeah. And now it looks like it drops more into where, almost where the punching bag kind of was. Uh, well, no, not even. So there's like that little section when you come into weight room where there's like the barbells on a half height counter and there's like a little blue trampoline there. And that would sort of be underneath where the camera is in that room. Right. The the hatch now looks like it sits more in that neck of the woods, although a little bit further to more in the direction of the punching bag. But, you know, in that little recess, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's not in the middle of the room anymore. Now, this actually that, looks a lot bigger too. the weight room. Well, it's it's expanded by one reinforcement width. Right. Because yep. when we were yep. in a little garage, you could see that there was one extra reinforcement width there. So that's we're also seeing that depth here. Okay, so you come into the room. The camera is in the same position it always was. It looks like there's a new point of hardcover in the room. It's like an L shape. It's in the middle of the room. It's L shaped. It's about half height, so that may wind up being textured as a countertop or, um, not sure yet. But it's just an L shape, untextured hardcover point in the middle of the room. And then the weight machine, that would have been in the room, um, is now. It's rotated 90 degrees and tucked up against the wall that the stairs are on. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That opens up that area more. Um, and then we look into that little side hallway that would come into weight room if you were pushing from the other end, opposite of laundry room. And th this hall looks like it's wider now. Yep, it looks wider. And um, that wall that goes into weight room is no longer breachable, it looks no, like. No, you're right. You're right. It looks like it's a just a hard hard wall that can't be reinforced or anything. Um, at this point, anyway, right? Who yeah, knows how yeah. how early in the development cycle this was? Right. Um, but yeah, that that whole room is bigger now. Then there's a little recess. So this would be the extra width that was added on to the weight room wall we were talking about. There's like a little, I don't know, pocket back here. And there's some objects that are hardcover points uh, that are stacked against the wall that aren't textured yet. So we don't know what that'll look like. But it's like a little nook. Nook, mm -hmm. nook. <laughs> Possibly. So then we get over to the stairs that come up from basement. Um, these are, they look a little wider. A little bit. Because it used to end in like that um, little, little cap that had like the three parts of the wall where there was like flat and then angled to either side. But now there's an additional flat length uh, coming off of either of those angled parts. Right. So it looks a little wider now. Then we come up into the back area where the stairs are. Um, and this is where we see a, a, one of our first major changes. So there's a label yeah. on this door that says music room in red lettering and this is just a this is a map placeholder kind of a thing the devs put these in when they're working with the maps so that they have easy frame of references and then obviously when the map is actually textured and rendered those kinds of references are removed but this would be the door that you would traditionally enter if you were going to come in on the side of the house 
Uh, so if you would come in this door, typically it would be living room would be straight ahead of you. Stairs would be on the left. The kitchen little access area would be on the right. Well, instead of that balcony, now it says music room. And then as you come through the door to music room, you see on the other side of that room is another door, which is probably then that outer balcony. Just right. it's been a room has been added on in that in that space. Uh, we can see in here that we've got a. Uh, what is that? It's like a standing piano, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and there's some some things in here, some hardcover points, some flipped over tables. Um, there's a jukebox in here, Juke some box. more flipped over tables. Then we have a half high cover point. I think that um, when we saw this room in the reveal trailer for the map, when they actually had it rendered out, this might have been a couch or some furniture or something. Okay. Uh, and there's one breachable section of wall in here. And then there's some guitars hanging on some walls. This is kind of a big room. It is. Is that a TV on the wall? Holy crap. What is that? Like a 95 inch TV? Is that a TV? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a shuttered. No, I bet it's I a shuttered it's a window, window. Like a double wide window shuttered. Yeah. So then we come into from back of uh, music room into what's labeled as TV room. And here we have a room. It's kind of box shaped. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Kind of looks like a home theater. Yeah. Uh, so there's like some home theater recliners and then they are surrounded by a half high wall that I suppose you could use as a hardcover point. There's a large TV in the room um, and then looks like a hardcover point to either side of that. I don't know what those will wind up being textured as. Then there's a little... There's a little side, I don't know what to call this. It almost looks like a closet or something. And it has a it has a door off of it. I bet that door also leads to that outer balcony. Yeah, just like the opposite side. Opposite side of the music room balcony, probably. But this almost looks like uh, just a little closet or a, what, what do they call this? Like a coat room or something, maybe? Yeah, it kind of looks like it, it's the area that was, um, like if you remember going up that balcony, one of the side stairs, and it had all of that furniture that was like blocking that door that you couldn't get into. Yeah, you think maybe this is an evolution of what that was? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, so then they go back into the TV room. It looks like there's a bookshelf or something there. Then there's a double wide door arch and this leads into an area where there's a new set of stairs, brand new set of stairs. And they have some kind of a placeholder thing on a window here. It says it's red and white. It says override me wood only some kind of a wood texture is going to go on that. I don't know if that's going to be a window with a wooden barricade or what that's going to be. Um, and this is just like a, I don't know, kind of a smallish room. Yeah. Um, more of a junction, I suppose. Now, they don't go up those stairs, so I don't know what's up there in the video. But they turn and they go into dining room. It's bigger than it used to be. It's a lot bigger than it used to be. They have, uh, <laughs> I actually did this in my video on the house rework too. They have a bookshelf that's turned 90 degrees to the doorway that connects to kitchen. So you yep. have a hard cover point to hide there. But then there's a, a soft breach wall there that you could also get through. Um there's still that flipped over sideways dining room table in here. Uh, there's still the hatch that leads 
to, I assume, master bedroom above it. Uh, he never goes upstairs, so we never see what's up there. Um, it's like it's still dining room. But it's just bigger. Right. I feel like there's still like the same kind of half covered hide behind and the same bookshelf there. It's just things have been moved around a little bit and made more spacious. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. So then from there he goes into oh, and we can see briefly he turns and looks toward kitchen. So it looks like kitchen still connects the way it always used to, to the back area where the stairs are. Again, there's just like that whole music room and TV room have been added on to the side of that. But kitchen is still there. Uh, so then it looks like there's that soft breachable wall um, that connects kitchen to music room. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you could breach into the side of music room through there. Um, it also looks like the island that sits in the middle of kitchen is moved it's a, a little. Bit. It's, it's is it just me or is that maybe L shaped and more robust now? It's I think thicker. it kind of looks L shaped. It's hard to tell. Yeah. He only turns and looks at it in the video for like a second. And it looks like, I mean, we know the hatch is still there because we saw yep. the hatch when we were in laundry room. And I still see this, the door that goes down to the stairs for laundry room. Yep. Or into weight room, I should say, rather. Right. So, right. you know, like the vibe of that is kind of the same. Um, and then after that, he turns into office. So this would be office off of dining room. This is very different. It's bigger. Yep. A lot that, bigger. That room used to just be like a barely bigger than a closet. Now yeah. it's it, now it's a proper room. It's not a huge room. Um, and, and that's okay, but it's definitely I don't know what twice the size of what it was. I would say so. Uh, there's a breachable wall, couple couple breachable walls, but okay. So an interesting thing is that desk that used to be in office. They've now moved it to the other side of the wall. So the other side of the room, I should say. So this would be the the wall that borders where on the other side of that is where the living room stairs used to be. Um, it's against that wall now instead of the outer wall. The uh, the entranceway into here, which is, it was a door and two windows that were all barricaded yep. up. Now it looks like the two windows have been metal shuttered and the door is the only entryway into here. But there's a new window that looks uh, out, and this is what we were talking about before. You could open it up, and it looks out over Little Garage. So it's a new window in here because there's not that outer railing anymore. Then from there, he goes out onto the balcony, um, and he turns and he looks toward the front door area from, from the balcony. So this is an exterior. Uh, and you can see when he does so that the front entrance has really been redesigned in that um, there's like these pillars that go up vertically to the second floor on the exterior. And there's like a balcony with a railing above that. So this would have been where um, workshop was. Yep. Where that double window was. There's now a, a vertical. Uh, like, like I said, these beams like go all the way Like a balcony kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that must be some kind of an addition there. Um, I'm assuming a new way to get into that room. And then from there, the video sort of ends. He doesn't go into living room. He doesn't go into foyer. He doesn't go upstairs at all. Uh, the video just ends there. But because we have the ability to go frame by frame on this video, there's two loose frames, which is weird. But there's two loose frames at the end. One shows a hallway that he's standing in. 
and it says girls room over the door and then you can see into the room um it's really hard to tell what we're looking at here all of it's untextured yep but it says girls room and uh we think we know that girls room is what the workshop room that was under renovation like wound up turning into from what we know uh we think that that's that room then we have one other frame that shows kids bedroom Yep. So this is really interesting. Kids' bedroom is now a little bigger. Has from the screenshot no re no uh, no breachable walls. What else jumps out at you about this? Um, it looks like there is another room attached to it. So, based on what we saw, that outer wall. That used to be the outside of the building, but now underneath it is music room. Yeah. So there would this would be a doorway leading to some kind of room that would be above music room. We have no idea yep. what's in there. The other thing that jumps out to me is that um, I only see one window in kids' bedroom. Yeah, but they don't they don't you know show the entire kids' bedroom. This is just kind of from the door. Right. So, I mean, technically there still could be one, um, on that backside, um, potentially, but yeah. So the, the window that would typically the double window that would look out toward, um, clubhouse clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Or treehouse, whatever you call it. Uh, that's now a single wide window instead of a double wide window. And it's the only window on that wall. And then yep. the other wall, I guess if you were facing that window, the wall to the left of that, that usually had the two windows, one on either side of the kid's bed, uh, because that's no longer an exterior wall. Th those windows aren't there anymore. That aren't there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where one of the doorways are that goes into that other room that we have no idea what's in there. Then we see in the middle of the room, this, the familiar, uh, boat shaped kid's bed and the black Buccaneer flag on the wall and the nightstand. Um, mm -hmm. We can't see what's to the left of that, though, so I don't know if that other window that would go out onto that little uh, roof part is still there or not. We can't tell. Right. But uh, that's kind of everything for the house walkthrough. That's This is clearly a developer walkthrough. It's mostly untextured. Um, so what do you think? I think it's going to be a lot bigger. I'm really nervous. Like it, it, it seems interesting and I'm definitely ready to give it a try. Um, but it kind of seems like they're taking a small map and making it large. I'm worried about that because one of my favorite parts of house was like how, like it, it definitely had things that needed to be repaired and fixed for sure. Yep. But I liked that it was a smaller map. Firefights happened more quickly. Things were, yep. they felt more intense and you never lost your bearings. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the the way that it's mapped out, and I guess what we've seen so far doesn't. I'm not getting that I'm gonna get lost vibe um, like I do on um, theme park and uh, what's the other one? Fortress? You know, you know what? I'm, yes, yes. Um, so like, there's. I feel like there's less rooms inside rooms um so it still has that house feel it just kind of looks like things have expanded i mean i will say that on the outside this thing is a monstrosity it's like it was a 
like okay yes it was small by map standards but like but it was a relatively big house it was a relatively big house in house standards you know like just sitting in the neighborhood now this thing is like a mcmansion it is huge as far as houses go i know it almost like from the outside it kind of looks more like uh an apartment complex yeah as opposed to like just one one house or something yeah Yeah. it's dude got a promotion that's for sure right (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know you know cautiously optimistic i i do hope that this makes house more viable um because kids bedroom was not viable living room was not viable um you know like master bedroom was all right garage was all right weight room was barely viable in the best of times yeah um we'll have to see i don't know i am actually really curious um if all of the walls in um kids bedroom is no longer uh breachable like I mean, I guess it depends on what that side, like, back room is. Like, if that's a way to get in and then they can come in through there and the windows and the door. But it just, like, almost seems like they're making it more fortifiable. Maybe not, though. Or maybe maybe this is um, their way of saying this isn't going to be an objective anymore. I don't think it's going to be an objective room anymore. There were no walls that I saw in that screenshot that were soft that reach reachable. Walls. Yeah. Um, unless they change that mm-hmm. and we couldn't see, we could only see what about three quarters of the room. So I don't know what the yeah. other quarter of the room looked like, but, uh, he didn't show us anything of what the upstairs looked like really. Right. Now there were some teases that were shown to us in the reveal for the year five, uh, where they did tease what master bedroom winds up looking like mm-hmm. uh, and what girl's room winds up looking like. So, you know, we did kind of get to see a little bit of that and it was fully textured at that stage. So whatever yeah. we're seeing here now is earlier than that. So they could have changed some stuff up. Definitely. Um, I mean, they, I, they they also could have probably turned kids' bedroom just into girls' room. Um, I mean, who yeah, knows? I don't know. Who knows? But I, I mean, that make that makes sense. What you were saying about the workshop being girls' room now. Um, well, in the before, uh, in the video, they showed a before after. So the show before, and then you see workshop as we know it with like, you know, under construction and then after, and then it was girls room. So, yep. um, right, right. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. It'll be very, uh, very curious to see how that actually, um, pans out. But, um, another cool thing that's, you know, coming soon, um, is, uh, Zofia is finally getting her elite. Um, that looks so cool. What it do you think does. about that? I think I think it looks very awesome. It's very um and I think I think this is actually genius on their part how they do the differences uh between Ella's elite and Sophia's elite. Right. Um cuz Ella is such like a rebellious like against the law sort of thing and then you know Sophia's all in like just professional military garb like Yeah, so for people looks- who haven't seen it yet. I mean, she's in her dress blues. Yeah, that's her elite. She's in her dress blues. Yep. yep. That's really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. like my son is super psyched for it, too. He like can't wait to get. It. In fact, he's given me money in advance yep. of it, saying when it comes out, <laughs> buy it for me. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it looks really nice. I don't 
I don't. Th- I think I've only seen a picture though, so I don't actually know what the elite animation is. But I really hope it has something to do with like a rifle and like doing the spinning things. I think that's what it is. I think she's standing yeah. at attention and does the little little rifle pose, you know, inspection uh-huh. pose or whatever. I think is what it is, and it, it's not like her normal gun. I think it's like the the wood trimmed, you know, yeah. academy gun or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get a close look to see what it was. Uh, it's been a, a while because it was leaked a long time a ago long where they show they showed a preview of it. Um, yeah, it looks really cool. I'm I'm actually pretty excited for that one. Yeah, and it's kind of um, a different style because for a while they were only doing World War II stuff. Yeah, you know, and then they started changing it up a little bit. So this is more of like a modern day dress blues, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and it's it is kind of nice that they do mix it up a little bit like you know yeah they were doing a lot of world war ii and then they kind of just went into like i don't know like retro-esque sort of things for a little bit and then you know uh Cavs elite is kind of just like workout attire um and then cappy tau is you know just like street clothes and stuff like that um i'd not a huge fan of lesions. It just looks like he's, you know, a astronaut. So what, what's your favorite one? <sighs> so it's a two-way tie between Capcan's Elite and uh, Thatcher's. Those, oh, two are, those are two really excellent ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, like the Elite itself is cool, but I also feel like those two have the best um, animations the winning animations too. Yeah. The knife juggle or the repel yeah. from the helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? You know, I think I'm right there with you. Um, it's man. It's really hard to pick which one I like better out of those two. Um, I think I have to give a slight edge to Thatcher. Yeah. But that knife juggle is so badass. It's so badass. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, I also, I, I don't play them a lot, but I like glasses. The shooting, yeah, the glasses flipping. is cool, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of cool that you know he looks, you know, it's just like a street soldier kind of thing as opposed right. to you know professional uniform and stuff. Um, what about your least favorite elite? Uh I feel like it's kind of a tie between operators like. I think there's three of them that come to mind in this because they all have they all kind of have the same thing going on. Uh, Doc, Mira, and Fuse. They all have this thing where they just stand there awkwardly while some music plays, and they uh-huh. look like patriotic or or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's really cringy. Like, yeah, like you couldn't do something better than that. I, don't I will know. say. I will say. Um... I think if they, because Fuse got his elite before Doc did, right? Not sure about that. Because I feel, I feel like it was either one or, obviously it was either one or the other. Um, But I feel like if they had just kept it at one instead of both of them, because not only is it just they're standing patriotically and they have the music playing, but it also does that um, old school, like distorted color. Right. Yeah. So, like, I think if they had just had one of those, that would be cool. But then, yeah, you know, there's three of them that are essentially the same. And it's like, ah. There might even be somebody else that does it, too. And those aren't even that dissimilar from, like, Bandit. He's just sitting right. there leaning against his bike or whatever. And it's <laughs> kind of like, ah. Uh, 
I like the ones that have like animations that tie into their ability. Like I don't like the Jaeger elite. I think like the world war one way that he looks with the fact that his whole head is still covered up. Um, I think that would have been a great opportunity for a face reveal for Jaeger, but um, I just, I don't like the way the uniform looks, but I love that animation. Yeah. Absolutely. Like when the grenade goes by and he makes a little gun symbol with his hand and then yep. like the ADS shoots the grenade when he makes the gun symbol. That uh-huh. is so cool. That is an amazing animation. But I hate the elite uniform. <laughs> yep. Yep. What about um because I know we've talked about this before. What about Smoke's Elite? Um, yeah, I don't like it. I, I don't mind the animation, but I, I'm not a fan of the whole punk vibe that he has going on and yep. like the the red is very conspicuous. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't know. Modern day protester. So out of everybody like that's in the game right now, we've had elites from the original base 20 operators. We've had elites from DLC yep. operators. Who, who do you think is a good candidate for getting an elite that hasn't gotten one yet? Um, well, I'm going to give out an attacker one, a defender one. I also, just for, you know, laughs, I sort of think that the recruit should get uh, <laughs> an elite, and I think it should just be, like, the exact same thing. It's just the actual, like, picture is gold like the rest of them. It may be, like, I don't know, something a little different on the face mask or something, but um, I think Buck needs an elite. Okay. For sure. I yeah. think I think Buck would be the next attacker in my list. Um, and, I mean, now that you're reworking Tachanka, just give him an elite right away, too. Mm, he's going to be make super like, popular. Make it, like, Rambo-esque. Because yeah, that's, okay. I just, I feel like that's how people are going to, like, see him. And it's like, he's already a meme, so, like, why not just embrace that yeah. a little bit? Well, he he's I mean the whole point is to make him not as Mimi now. Well, right. right to make him but like, viable, but I mean he's he will still forever be the Lord. It's just the Lord is now mobile. Right. Um. Okay. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you. So your three picks, Groot, mm-hmm. Buck, and um, Tachanka. What would the victory animation be? Um, I think. Okay, okay, here we go. Um, so for the recruit, uh, I think just because playing recruit in Siege is stupid um, and, you know, you might as well make a joke out of it, something stupid, like they're, like, leaning on their gun and it, like, slips and they, like, trip over or something or, like, <laughs> they're messing around with the trigger and the, the gun goes off and they just, like, drop the gun and just, like, put their hands behind their back and stand at attention or something like that. Okay. I think that'd be kind of funny. Um, for Buck, I don't know. I feel like it's got to be something like I, – I, I mean, I know Neely Bobber would say something about he's like drinking maple syrup or something. But like <laughs> I don't know, something like he's he's in the backwoods and maybe like he does like a moose call or something. I don't know. Um, but I feel like his elite would have to be like – some sort of flannel hunting gear. Flannel hunting gear? Okay. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and then for Tachanka, I mean, 
I think the only thing you can do is have him holding his LMG and just blasting the hell out of the sky with it. Yeah. And like, you know, like the way, and, and when I say Rambo, the way I see it is he's actually got like that ammo, like strapped around his chest. He's got just like mud and dirt all over him. Like what would his uniform look like? His elite uniform. He would just be wearing like pants <laughs> and like, just like a headband. You know, just like old school. So no more helmet, no more helmet. Like he's getting the elite. He's getting the face reveal. It's like, you know, he's everything at once. And then, of course, maybe just like just like a cross tattoo or something on his chest or something. I am right there with you on that. (laughs) I think that is absolutely perfect. Half of him just. Yeah, he's just got like he's just wearing pants, the bandana, the bandolero of of LMG. you know, rounds across his chest yep. and just firing that thing up into the sky all crazy. Like, yes, uh, there you go. I think for <laughs> Buck, I like the idea of, like, some some hunting gear. I don't want to uh-huh. see him done up as, like, a Canadian Mountie. Like, I, I don't oh, want to see that. Oh, my God, yeah. Please, no. <laughs> um, what I would do for his elite animation is I would have him fire the skeleton key, like, up at the ceiling kind of. And like some of the animations are outdoors and and they're, uh-huh. they're putting some of them indoors too. But so like, I guess like it, it would happen regardless if it was outdoor or not because whatever, but um, so much of the elite animations don't make sense anyway. Like what is bandit having an elite MVP of his motorcycle on top of the roof of the tower, you know, yeah. but um, he would like fire his skeleton key kind of like up above the camera, like as okay. if he was firing it at the ceiling and then like, all the debris from a ceiling or, or whatever would like fall in front of the camera with like the dust and the chunks, you know? Yeah. Um, and then for recruit, I, I, I like yours, but I would have, <laughs> I would have recruit pull out an M870 from behind his back and just rush at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that would recruit be rush. <laughs> yes. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, what about you? Who do you think needs uh, an elite, and what do you think the animation would look like? Um, I think Monty needs an elite. Yeah, I would love to see a Montane elite. He's he's a pretty popular operator. I've seen somebody. I I can't claim credit to this idea, uh, but I've seen somebody actually propose it before, where where Montane's elite would be like a fireman. Oh, he's got the helmet. Okay. It's kind of like yeah. the fireman helmet shape. He would be like it would be like kind of like like a black T-shirt kind of a thing. Maybe he would have the fireman jacket. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. Um, but, you know, you'd have the fireman helmet with the visor and he'd have like the yellow uh, fire retardant pants. And then the deployable mm-hmm. shield that he carries would be like it would be all black and yellow with like the black and yellow like hazard stripe on the side of yeah. it, or, like going around the edge. Uh, I think that would be a really, really cool uh, elite uniform concept for him for the victory animation. That's a little harder. Like his whole thing is the shield, right? So I feel yep. like you'd have to do something with the shield. Yeah. I don't know what it would be though. I mean, like he'd deploy it, but like, I'd almost like to have him like rush at the screen like blitz does, but that's blitz's thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just deploys the shield and like a whole bunch of bullets from off screen come at it and go ricocheting Flying off, you know, like that would ha-ha, be cool. protected um, or like it, it shows him standing and maybe instead of him being in the center, he's like on the side 
and it's right next to like a door and someone comes running and he just puts the shield up so they can't get through or something. That seems a little complex for because I mean the the pose is the gallery. He's a complex operator. Yeah, well, fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the other thing I would love to see is you know how Sausage always draws Montaigne, like mm-hmm. you can see him through the visor and he's like just sticking his tongue out, like eh, can't get me. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be amazing. That would and that like not only would that be a hilarious animation, but that also would like kind of like pay respects to one of the best like siege cartoonists I think there is. Right. I, I'm not saying that seriously because like it would, it would be too cheesy. I, I, I prefer like something a little bit more gritty and realistic, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's just what I think. <laughs> uh, I would really like to see maybe one for Maverick might be cool. Maverick would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly what his would, maybe his is like, um like, like a mechanic. You know, because like mechanics use like welders a lot um, or like a, a factory fabricator or something like that. So it would have kind of like, you know, the the blue collar, sort of a uniform, um, you know, maybe, you know, sort of greasy and grimy from, you know, working on whatever he's working on. And then, you know, the victory animation can be like he pulls out the blowtorch and I don't know, lights something with the blowtorch or I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that can be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. And like part of his, his uh, headgear would be like a welding mask. Right. And then maybe as part of the victory animation, he just sort of flips it down. Right. Yeah. I'd be on board with that for sure. Yeah. Well, cool things uh, you can do with that. Although I yeah, do say hopefully. though, I still want them to take victory elite animations and somehow put them with other uniforms so you can mix and yes. match. 100%. I totally okay. agree with that. Um, so let's, let's, uh, go into the pro tip. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about, uh, now that consulate is back, um, I'm going to talk about defending archives, uh, with alibi from that side room called the electric room in consulate. Um, which side, which side room is called the electric room? Uh, so, tunnel, so it's, it? no, it's the one opposite of blue tunnel. So the oh, other is side it of the, the room that has a generator in it? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so it's right next to the spiral stairs. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. So um, as always, I always like to use the bailiff as my secondary weapon uh, for tool-related things. Um, and the first thing you want to do is make sure you reinforce the hatch uh, in East Corridor. So that's kind of between um, the front entrance and um, the spiral staircase because that hatch goes into um, the electric room. So, you know, if you have a teammate that's already going up and getting traps, you know, hatches, it's, it's awesome. And then you can use the other one for a different wall. But uh, it's, it's important for this to work. It's important to keep that, um, you know, reinforced. Um, and then also the only area that really needs to be reinforced in the electric room is the middle portion. So there's only three um, walls that can be reinforced and they're all right next to each other. Um, and to make this work, um, you want to at least keep the far right side. Um, the furthest open. one out, the furthest one out. Um, so the one that's closest to the spiral staircase, um, 
The other one is, you know, not as important, but the middle one definitely needs to be reinforced because that's usually where you're going to hide out. So now with a bailiff, uh, you create a murder hole in the farthest right section. So right next to where it would be. Um, so like you have the wall and then uh, the hard wall right next to it. So you want to make a hole um, that's standing distance um, on that side. And that opens up the entire hallway. Uh, and you can see... Uh, kind of the door into cafeteria um, where they're coming down on the stairs and then kind of the entrance into the blue tunnel. Um, so you have that entire line of sight open. Um, if you so choose, you could also put a hole in the left side. So on the other side of the middle wall, obviously, and that gives you line of sight uh, in the graded area um, also in blue tunnel so like the back side of blue tunnel uh where sometimes people hide in that graded area you can see that and then you can see kind of that entire hallway um so then i like to take alibis i usually use one or two um and put them in those sections so it looks like someone's peeking outside of those murder holes um and then you can kind of use them you can't you, you can stand there and then you can see if someone's coming down, you can take a couple shots at them. Uh, if you miss, you can just move. And then they'll look and they'll see and they'll shoot at it and it'll actually tag the enemies too. You know, obviously we know how prismas work. Um, so doing that, you kind of open the entire, I mean, minus, you know, minus the hatches, um, you open the entire attacking point of that floor uh, to attack, you know, the archives. So being able to do that, you kind of open everything up um, so you can be kind of, you know, the first line of defense. You see someone coming because a lot of times people will be going down those spiral stairs and they'll look, you know, towards blue tunnel first um, and then they start looking towards the door and they don't necessarily look at that little, you know, side area. Um so in doing so, you know, you can get you can get some people immediately um, and then you see people, you know, tracking slowly in Blue Tunnel. Um, you know, you see them moving down or going down those back stairs. Um, you know, you can shoot at them. And then, you know, the second they know they're getting shot at, all you have to do is move behind that reinforcement and then they're going to shoot at the Prisma Mines. I guess one thing to note is that you can't actually secure archives from the electric room. You actually have to go into archives. Um, that's, I mean, that's the only thing that you really need to worry about. Like if you're the last person, obviously, but if, you know, if you have someone else with you, then you don't necessarily have to worry. But yeah. One thing I like to do when you cover that site as well is I like to take somebody with a deployable camera or a maestro turret works for this as well. And uh, if you so there's like outside of that electrical room, there's that main double door that it's like the main way into the room. Yep. And if you go straight back from that door uh, as far deep in the room as you can go, there's that wall with the servers there. It's just to the side of the uh, other hatch that drops down yep. into that room. And there's a little cart there. Uh, and if you hop on top of that cart and then look at the server wall, you can put on either a deployable camera or a maestro turret or what have you. And then put it there and then that has it just looks straight at the double door, uh, which is sort of like the the point that you would get pushed from while you're in that electrical room. Yeah. Uh, somebody would try to you know get past you, get in through that and then wrap around and get you. 
so that that camera will kind of always watch that opening for you and then you know people can tag on it or give you intel or what have you uh and then i i also find it useful to open up that connecting wall to blue tunnel so that if people push in from there all you have to do is peek out your door and you yep. can see into blue tunnel the the doorway there mm-hmm. and that way nobody gets trapped in that outer hallway as well for rotations but um yeah we've we've played that strap many times I I will say, and this is side note, not talking about this uh, strategy, but one of the most frustrating things for me covering archives is when someone reinforces that um that little side door or that sidewall that um, connects archives to um, blue tunnel. Yeah, it's good to have that rotation option in there. Yeah, I also love when uh, one of us is rocking a frost. And not only do you connect it, but you connect it so that it's, it has to be a vaultable hole. And then we uh-huh. put our little frost trap on the inside of the room yep. so that, yes, we can freely rotate through it. But then because it's vaulted, it hides the frost trap. And if an attacker pushes through there and tries to rotate, use our rotate hole, then they'll step on the frost trap. Yep. Yep. It's real. Yeah, I really I really enjoy um, that frost move. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. Uh, speaking of frost, though, um, that's a nice segue going into our Q and A for the week. Um, this question comes from Mozzie is my boy. I've been playing Frost more because my friends told me she's like the thing now or something like that. But I feel like whenever I place a welcome mat, enemies will find them and destroy them, or no one just goes near them. Do you guys have any advice? I'll take anything. Uh, I have all kinds of advice for that. So one of them is the strategy that I was just describing. Uh, so the thing is you want to you want to trick enemies into stepping on the frost mats by, you know, having them not know that it's there. Uh, you're going to look at multiple surfaces. And one of the kinds of multiple surfaces you can use is a, uh, a hole that you make for yourself. You can either use frost shotgun to do this or you can have a teammate with an impact grenade throw one for you. But what you want to do is you want to create the surface so that it's probably above knee height. Yeah, uh, because if it's if it's below that, you're going to see the frost trap from the other side. What you want to do is you want to create it so that if you're standing on the other side of the wall, you won't see the frost trap sitting there when you vault it uh, and the vault will carry you into it. But it still creates a free rotation point for defense. So that's a good place to put one. Um, if you use the frost elite, uh, I, I the frost elite traps are are easier to see because they have these jagged teeth on them. Yeah. But if you pair the frost elites up with barbed wire, those jagged silver teeth actually blend in with the barbed wire more than a non-frost elite welcome map yep. trap. Uh, so th- they're a disadvantage unless they're being paired with barbed wire. Then they're actually a camouflaged advantage. So that's a little little thing there too. Other ways to use them. I was just talking about vaultable surfaces. So like a great example of this is um, sunrise bar on coastline. There's that L-shaped countertop for the bar itself. And attackers will often push in through that little side entrance, and then they'll run into that room. If they feel that that room is clear, one of the first things they might do is hop that vault over the bar, and then they've kind of got that half cover around them to kind of like peek down the rest of the hallway from. And when they do that, if you've got a frost mat sitting there waiting for them, they'll land on that. And there's plenty of other kinds of places that are commonly vaulted where you can put something waiting on the other side. What you want to do is put it in places where you think an enemy is going to step on it, either by tricking them or by, uh, again, areas where you think commonly will, an enemy will be ADS'd 
and therefore they lose that situational awareness. So maybe coming around a popular corner that they're going to be zeroed in on, not looking down. Um, Captain, you've had some some interesting results placing frost traps in like unexpected places. Yeah, I definitely. Um... And it's, I mean, you know, part of this question, you know, is saying about how, you know, the enemies will destroy them or no one goes near those areas. And sometimes that's, you know, that's just what's going to happen. Um, you know, and I always, I always have this thing with uh, when I play Capcan 2, um, I always try to put things in non-conspicuous areas. Like, I almost never put Capcan traps on the objective door, the objective window. It's always other sorts of things because that's where people are looking because nine times out of ten, you're going to get, you know, get scanned so they already know to look for them. Um, and especially when it comes to frost, it's a larger trap that's a lot more visible than other traps. So it's one of those things, instead of putting it under windows, um, instead of putting it, you know, behind, um, you know, shields and stuff, try to find those areas, kind of like what you were saying, that they're, they're going to be ADSing or places that they're not going to look. Um, this, I, I can't tell you, it, I always feel like an idiot when I do this. Um, so I'm talking about doing, using frost traps um, in bank in the vault. Okay. So one thing that I, I can't even tell you how many times that I've gotten <laughs> kills doing this, um, but instead of, so that, do, that window that goes into vault, instead of putting the frost trap in the objective, I put down barbed wire in front of the door or in front of that window. On the outside. I put the frost the traps. Yeah. On the outside. And I put the frost traps there. Sometimes I'll do two, sometimes I'll do one, and I can't I can't even tell you how many times people just are like, oh, the barbed wire, that's stupid. And then, you know, you put a frost trap on the other side, don't put anything there, so that's what they're expecting. You know, time's running down, there's like 10 seconds, they're, they're going for that push. Um, you have front door covered, so they're trying to come in through the back, and before they even get in, they hit the frost mat. Yeah. So here's some other tips on, on how to get some creative plays out of her. You mentioned comboing it with barbed wire, and there's a particularly nasty thing you can do. So you used to be able to combo frost traps with goo mines and get an insta-kill. Yep. They've since changed it. You can no longer do that. What you can still do, though, to get a automatic kill trap is pairing it up with uh, electricity. So if the barbed wire is electrified, that will kill the person sitting injured in the frost trap. Uh, not instantly, um, but pretty quickly. And... You can do it with Bandit, but it's actually even better to do it with Kaid. Um, So let's talk about that same room you were just using as an example. So this would be the room in Bank, uh, bottom floor, vault area. It's that room, and I'm not exactly sure what the name of it is, but it's it's in front of the vault. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said I was doing it in vault. I was doing it in the objective room. Uh, well, it depends because it's, you know, whether it's secure area or bomb or whatever the, the mode That's is. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the that room up there, so it has that that hallway that leads into the room. And if you place a deployable shield there, you block off that room other than the one double uh, wide window. And you can place your frost trap on the floor there. So, okay, they'll vault the frost trap or they'll vault the deployable shield, land on the frost trap. Great. But if you've thrown a Kaid there, 
in such a way that it electrifies the frost trap uh, or the barbed wire and the deployable shield. They'll take, you know, three points of damage vaulting the shield, whatever, they'll shrug it off. But when they land in that barbed wire, that will slowly electrocute them uh, automatically. So nobody even has to be there to claim the kill. So that's kind of a nice thing you can do. And there's different spots where you can do that. You know, if you've got some barbed wire, you throw some electricity down. um, Or even think about it in different ways where uh, you've got a reinforced wall, but you ask your Kaid to place it at the top of the wall. And then depending on the map, there may be a section of the map up above that lines up with a window on the floor above it where attackers would then hop in through that window to make entry into the building. And it's sharing the properties of the Kaid on the barbed wire through the floor, but it's already protecting the walls and the objective below it. There's ways that you can do that on certain maps. Um, Just all kinds of interesting ways. Um, You can use barbed wire to help you funnel. So this is not putting it in the barbed wire, but like if you have a door and it opens into a section that's like, okay, you can go left, right, or straight. Well, if the trap is to the right, you want to funnel them toward the trap. So you put the barbed wire left and straight. And so as they come around, like they can sit there and punch the barbed wire and get rid of it. Or maybe it's just easier for them to swing wide on the barbed wire. And when they swing wide, thunk, there it is to the right, you know, and then you've kind of guided them, you funneled them toward the trap. Um, those are all different things you can do. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode uh, for Rainbow Six Radio. And as always, if you haven't already, please do give us a like and follow on the podcast so you can uh, keep up with us every week as we release new content. Go ahead and also find us over on Rainbow Six Radio subreddit. Uh, We are over there. You can join our community, post discussion threads, share your gameplay highlights, ask us questions. We're very interactive with the community that we have over there, and we can't wait to uh, get to know you a little better if you haven't already joined us. So until next week when we will be working on some very interesting things to share with you we will see you next time this has been rainbow six radio be sure to tune in next time for even more rainbow six talk news and information